great to be here with you, great to be worshiping with you, and, and we're in a series now called In Living Color. We launched it huge last week, Easter Sunday, In Living Color, and we've been going after this understanding of life with Christ that can rock your world. In Living Color, this deep, rich, fulfilling life with Him. What does it look like? How do we go after it? How can we experience that, truly that life that is lived in color, not in black and white, but in color, rich, deep, and full. So that's what we're going into today. Uh, Easter last week was a huge launch and a phenomenal time of celebration. We had uh, all the services, just really great attendance, packed out the, the worship that we had going on, phenomenal, as we lifted this roof off for Jesus Christ and made much of him. We got this series started with a bang, which is this, he is risen. He is risen, man. Amen. There is life in him. He is risen. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. We're coming off of Easter. Know this. We're not losing momentum. Life with Christ. That's where we're headed. So turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 5 as we look to dive in. This sermon today is called A Splash of Divine Healing. A Splash of Divine Healing. You can hear we're kind of staying with the the theme of painting, right? This in living color and a splash of color being used here in this canvas right now on divine healing. Please hear me though. This passage is not just about him healing someone. This is about the authority of the living God who speaks and it is. This is about the one who has all authority to create, to sustain, and do as he pleases. Healing can be a part of that. But our God has that authority. And all of God's people said, let's not miss it. Let's dive in as we go after it. John chapter 5. So how do I go about having a life lived in vibrancy and living color with Christ? We're starting here, point number one today. Cry out to Jesus in full trust. Cry out to Jesus in full trust. Here we go. We start in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, after this... There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And we're just going to hold there. It starts out, after this. And after what? You got to make sure that whenever you're reading Scripture, you always stay in context. So what's going on? What's he talking about? If you go back to John chapter 4, right at the end there, you see the this Roman soldier, the centurion, has got a request. He's got a son who needs healing. And he's asking for Christ to do something. He's like, look, I, tr- I trust your word. When you speak it, if you're in charge, then that's the way it is. So just say it and it's done. And, and Christ just speaking it. He's like, your son, like, has, he's healed. Like, go for that. Trust that. And the centurion goes home hoping that and finding that exact thing true. Christ said it. And it was. He had power. He had authority. Even from a distance authority. John is building momentum on grasping that there is authority with Jesus Christ. Chapter 5 verse 1. After this, can you feel it? Got the authority building up. There was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now it doesn't say which feast here, right? Some would like to take a guess and and they're just trying to figure things out. It's not clear which one, but if you remember back in the fall we talked through the feasts and really there's three collecting points throughout the year, right? Three different feasts where they all had to go to Jerusalem. 
at the Feast of Passover, and there's really three feasts all packed together in that one, but the Feast of Passover goes a week long, and they would all come to Jerusalem for that. And then over the summer, the Feast of Weeks, and they would come in for that. And they would come in the fall for the Feast of Tabernacles. And these were each built around the harvest that was taking place. So you had the harvest of wheat and the harvest of barley and you got the harvest of fruits going on. Those are the three different ones that are taking place. And so which feast is it? We don't know. But because of the feast, all the Jews are coming into Jerusalem. You just have to understand there's this massive crowd that's going to show up for a celebration of God, a thanks and praise of God and making much of him. Lots of people rolling into Jerusalem now. It says, now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool. In Aramaic, it's called Bethesda. If you actually break that down, Beth means house, and Hesta means mercy, house of mercy. And that's going to be a really big deal as we walk through the storyline today, a house of mercy. And this place actually had fresh water, and so they used that to be able to survive. Fresh water was a big deal for the temple ministry and also just for daily life. But it was more than that. There was mercy that was taking place here, and healing is at hand, and so now we're coming up to the house of mercy at this pools of Bethesda. You got to grasp this. The sheep gate is on the north side of the temple, right on the north side of the temple, and the pools of Bethesda is just about 100 yards, a little bit more past that. So it's just past the temple wall is the pools of Bethesda, all right? That's what's going on there. And uh, it says there were five roofed colonnades. You know, just so you know, uh, years and years and years went by where they could not find this pools of Bethesda. And so the archaeologists ended up saying, you know, I don't know if it really existed. Maybe it was just a metaphor. I'm not sure it was real. And a number of years ago, they ended up discovering the colonnades. And as they dug in and found, they actually found the pools of Bethesda. It's now available. If you go over to Israel, you can see that, visit that, be right there at the spot where Christ does this healing we're going to look at today. And yeah, they doubted its real existence, but it has been found. And they've now got that found on the north side of the temple there. It says, in these lay a multitude. How many? Multitude. I don't know how many that is, but that's a lot, right? A lot of people, and it actually says, a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. I'm just going to tell you right now, I am really not a fan of that English word, invalid. Like, not a fan at all. I don't know if you know, I mean, if you say it with a little different emphasis, and we use it in other ways, in, invalid. Like, that is harsh, man. Not a fan of that English word at all. In the original language, the word actually starts out with the word ah, which means not, and then the next word in the Greek means basically not well, not healthy. That's what's being said here. It's the not healthy. But then it gives a little bit of a list after it. Uh, blind and lame and paralyzed, like really physically struggling. And so our English word that we tend to use for that is that word that I'm uh, only going to say one more time when I run into it in just a second reading it. Invalid. I don't like it. In the invalid moment here, they're saying, look, these guys were struggling physically. And I uh, really wish there was a different English word for that, quite frankly. just uh, That would be better for the read of it, uh, just so we don't get caught up in the misunderstanding of it. These guys matter, super important, and Christ is going to be showing that in just a second. It says, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. 
38, I'm ready to say that's a long time, 38 years of his life lame, struggling to be able to get along, legs not working quite right, not sure what all it meant, but 38 years of his life he went struggling with this. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, you got to stop and picture this, all right? You got to imagine this. It's too easy for us to read through scripture and you just read through it. And Christ was like, do you want to be healed? And you're like, oh, that's interesting. And you just keep reading. And you got to picture what this was and what was going on. This guy's laying next to the pools of Bethesda, next to the water. He's under the colonnade, so there's some shade. He's basically away from the weather, whatever it is. He can't move. He can't move well at all. And so he's basically limited to staying there. He's hoping, he's longing, he's wishing. He's at the house of mercy, but, but that's it. He's just laying there. Jesus comes up and says to him, hey, do you want to be healed? All right. The appropriate answer would be, yes, right? Or, or maybe even, duh. What, are you kidding me? Of course I do, right? That would be a very appropriate answer. You got to imagine how that was coming. Imagine you're the people standing around it, and you hear Jesus come up and say that to him, right? As he come, hey, do you want to be healed? I mean, if you're standing next to it, you're like, what is that guy doing? Like, is Jesus, okay, let's just cover it. Does Jesus know the answer to this question? Yes. Of course he knows the answer to this question. He's drawing him out, just as God always does as he works with us. Gently, compassionately, pulling forward. Hey, man, what is it you're looking for? Let's talk that through a little bit. He's pulling him in as he works with him. Do you want to be healed? as he begins to call it out. Look, Jesus isn't missing the social cue either. Like, how rude would it be to be like, hey, do you want to be healed? And the guy's like, yeah. And you're like, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I was just asking. Like, it's not that either. Jesus knows exactly where he's headed. He knows exactly what he's doing, right? Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? As he draws him out, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. All right. I don't know if you noticed this, but if you actually go back and you look at verses 3, 4, and 5, if you have the ESV, uh, verse 3 is actually shortened and verse 4 does not exist. It's not in there. So it jumps from 3 to 5. What's going on with that? Well, actually, the manuscripts that they had when they first started translating the Scripture into the English right, the manuscripts they had, had a longer verse 3, and it had more of verse 4. And it said that there was this angel that would come down and would stir the waters, and the first one that got in would be healed, right? And that was in verses late 3 and 4. But when we ended up getting to the original manuscripts, right, way earlier manuscripts, right, everybody say earlier, right, got to the earlier manuscripts, that late verse 3 and verse 4 wasn't there, like really what was going on is the guy's answer didn't quite make a lot of sense. And so along the way, somebody added in a little bit of the explanation because they knew the storyline. They knew what was happening. Look, there was this understanding that the angel would stir the water. First one in would get healed. Just want to let you know. Can we just say, not a great plan to add to scripture. Okay, we all good with that? Everybody say, that's good. 
Not good with adding to Scripture, right? We're all good with that statement. Here's the reality. So late verse 3 and verse 4, probably best to not be there. It wasn't in the original manuscripts. But here's the deal. It gave a lot of explanation to the guy's answer. Because Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And the guy says, I have no one to put me in the pool in the water to be stirred up while I was going. Another one steps down before me. The appropriate answer from Jesus would be, focus. I asked you a question. Do you want to be healed? Stop going off on rabbit trails about water, right? Do you want to be healed? The reason it's a big deal, and that's why they added in, just so you understand, the guy thought Jesus was saying, hey, healing water's here. Do you want to get into the healing water? Is that your plan? Like, that's what the guy was hearing. He was not hearing Jesus say, hey, I can heal you. He was hearing the magic is in the water, but the magic is in our God Almighty and his authority and power. And all of God's people said, and so as Jesus says, hey, do you want to be healed? The guy starts talking about the magic waters. Jesus says to him, well, I've got an answer for you. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Three commands, get up, take up, and walk. Now, you got to imagine this too, right? You can imagine Jesus walks over. He asks a little bit of a socially uncool question. Hey, do you want to be healed? Right? And the guy's like, yeah, can't get in the water fast enough. And Jesus says, get up. Now imagine you're standing next to him. And the guy comes over and says, do you want to be healed? And you're like, dude, why are you asking that question? And he says, get up. That's a little rude. You're talking to a guy who's lame. And you're like, but I don't believe you're lame. Stand up. It's like, what's going on? As Jesus says, get up. The command is given. This is a pretty forceful moment. There's actually three commands. Get up, take up, and walk. Get up, take up, and walk. Say those with me. Get up, take up, walk. Three commands as Jesus leans in. This guy does not yet know who Jesus Christ is. We're going to see that come out in just a second. But as he's talking to Christ, he's like, yeah, I can't get in the water fast enough. He's like, get up, take up, walk. I'm telling you, here's my command. I can't even imagine what this guy thought. I can't even imagine the first thoughts through his head. You're laying there, you're lame. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Of course, get up. (laughs) Do you see? And in the moment that that happens, As Jesus has spoken, as this man has processed, as whatever goes through his head first, all of a sudden, there is this power that shoots through his body. There is authority that starts happening in the room. There is this juice and energy in his legs and in his knees and in his hips. And all of a sudden, he can start to feel them moving while he's laying on the ground. He's like, hang on, whoa, right? Can you imagine? Here's what did not happen. Everybody say not. Here's what did not happen. He's laying on the ground. Jesus says, get up. And he's like, well, I don't, oh, look at that. Hey, I kind of hmm, feel a little something. Get up, just roll up my mat. He said, take it. I'll, I'll just go for a walk. <laughs> that is not what happened, right? We all get that. Can you imagine 38 years 
You have been lame. You have been laying out. You have no solution. You don't know what's going on. He says, get up. And you're like, well, oh, oh, hang on. Right? You know you start talking out loud. Whoa, check this out, man. Look at this. Hang on. Stand up. Oh, do you see this? You know there was the lame guy sitting next to him that had one of these going on. Whoa, right? You know that's happening. This whole picture starts coming to life as we grasp the shock. He is now moving. You know he's jumping around a little bit. He's doing that. Look at this. Can you see this? People are starting to rally around it. Amazing moment. Jesus says, get up, take up your bed, and walk. At once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. And all of God's people said, and Jesus Christ, he has power, he has authority. This man did exactly what he was told, right? It says, get up. Can you imagine he gets up and then he's like, well, look, I don't really want to carry the mat. I'll do the first part of the command, but I'm going to blow off the second, right? No way. You said do it, I'm doing it. Get up, take up, and walk. Got it. Got it. Walking around, look at this, man. Can you believe this? And everybody's starting to turn and face and look at him in awe. That's what's going on. I cannot imagine the thunderous moment as there was this huge trust in the simple word from Jesus, get up, right? Wow. You know, this past week has been uh, phenomenal. We've actually had really nice weather, and it's been super nice to be able to experience a little bit of actual spring, right? I actually went out and started up the lawnmower, mowed the lawn, and was able to do that. That's always just a little bit of a prayer moment when you're going out for the first time, get with the lawnmower, you're like, here we go. And you're like, oh, it started. Praise God. Like, we've got the thing working. We don't have to do any extra work, right? And was able to get out, mow the lawn. We ended up deciding to cut back some of our brush. And so we cutting back the grasses and we decided to cut back some of the bushes. And, and uh, we did it together. John is like grabbing onto the grasses and holding them. And I'm kind of cutting through them real carefully. And we're taking those and throwing them in the truck to get them over to the landfill and get them out of there. And just kind of cleaning up the yard, you know, getting it ready to go. John ended up going inside. I was working on the bushes real quick. And, and so I'm cutting through the bushes over there. And, you know, it's a I mean, the reality is the ground is really so cool still that there's not a lot of life in the bushes or anything yet. There's no green branches. There's no green leaves. So you can really just cut through the dead, get the dead off of there, right? And so we're taking a lot of that off, and I'm cutting through it and actually hit a little bit thicker stick, you know, and this is a hedge trimmer. It's it's not really made for it. And as I'm coming, it's like, you're like, oh, that's not working real well. Try it a couple different angles, right? And finally just go at it, and it goes, and cuts through. And I get through it, and it goes, it stops. And I'm like, what? The? So the hedge trimmer's like, that was a little too much work. I just want to quit now. Like, I don't know what, what's going on with the hedge trimmer, you know? And, and I'm like, what the heck? I'm trying to get it started. It won't go. And I look over. Hey, is it connected? Did I pull it out of the wall? No, it's connected. Everything's fine. And I'm like, well, maybe it's not plugged in here. I reach down to plug it in and uh, I, I cut the power cord. <laughs> Clean cut. It was awesome. Like, why is this so thick and hard? Yink. I mean, it was thick and hard because I was cutting the power cord, right? And uh, ended up zipping right through it. 
Didn't, didn't notice anything. I had to go back and GFI plug push it. To, it definitely popped on that one. But I uh, got that set and went back, got another one. I actually went in the house. I don't know why I did this. I rolled up the cord. What am I thinking about now? I'm rolling it up all nice, right? And the end of it is just frayed, right? And I roll it up and I pick up the other half and I go in and I'm like, hey, babe, it was going really well. Um, and then <laughs> this and uh, she's like, oh, no, now what? I'm like, well, actually, we have another one in the garage. I'll just go get it. So I went through that away, brought the other one out, plug it in, bring it out there, and I actually go through and cut the rest real quick, get it all done, and we're cleaned up. And, man, I'm telling you, without the extension cord, without the power cord, that hedge trimmer does not work. Man, I'm telling you, without trust in your life, you will not experience the power of Christ with you. I'm telling you, it does not work. Trust, it is the power cord, the extension cord, the connection between you and your almighty king. Him in charge. And as he calls it out, you trust him. Trust. So simple question. How's your trust? How are you doing in trusting your God in the words that he says and the promises that he gives and the overarching statements about who he is? How is your trust? And is your trust unplugged from him? Or maybe it's been sliced in half and cut off because of some things going on in your life. Man, are you ready to get back to your God and say, Lord, it's time to trust you. May God get all the glory. That's the first step. Cry out to him in full trust. Second, allow Jesus to have the ultimate authority in your life. Allow Jesus to have the ultimate authority in your life. Now you remember he says, get up, take up your bed and walk, okay? Jesus' command, get up, take up, walk, right? So here we go. It says, now, that day was the Sabbath. See, we get used to it. We just kind of read through it. And we're like, oh, interesting. He's telling us which day of the week it was. But we're missing something. See, the problem is the command for the Sabbath was it was to be about rest, right? It's to be all about rest. And so it's a little bit vague, right? Make sure you're resting on that day. Well, what can I do? What can't I do? And so the Jews, in order to make that clear, they actually put together a list of laws. There are actually 39 categories of law to clear up what rest was and what it wasn't. One of them actually said, thou shalt not carry your mat. Thou shalt not tie a knot. You can't tie a knot on the Sabbath, right? These are things they decided, Jewish law, man-made. They're like, well, let's make it a little clearer what rest looks like. Let's not just leave it up to the masses to try to decide. We'll make all these rules. And as they started building the rules, the rules started getting so heavy on the don't, don't, don't. And they started missing this, that God is all about loving on us. God cares for us. And man, all of a sudden, man was somehow serving Sabbath instead of Sabbath serving man. And God got super clear on that. Like that is not the plan. And Christ made it really clear even in this moment as it's Sabbath and he's working with this guy on the Sabbath, a healing and telling him to take up his mat. It's a huge deal. And if we were a very savvy Jewish community, like this would be horrifying. Like a very appropriate answer when we hear it's the Sabbath would be to respond with, uh-oh, right? So just do it loud, do it big with me. What would he say? 
Okay, now you know what to say. Get ready. Here we go. So Jesus said, get up, take up your bed and walk. At once the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. Now we got it. Okay? You feeling it? Like This is a huge conflict. It's a big deal. It's now taking this guy head to head with the authorities and their 39 categories of law when it comes to rest. It says, now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. You got to understand how this probably went down. Remember, it says, get up, take up, walk. And the pools of Bethesda are only about 100 yards away, only about 100 yards separated from the temple. Most likely at the point that he gets up and rolls up and starts talking and, do you see, look at this, and everybody's getting all fired up. Man, you're there. You are actually healed. It is the Sabbath. It is actually a feast. It's a huge celebration time. Temple's right here. Of course, man, it's time to start headed to the temple. He's got his mat with him as he's heading over, and he's like, look at this glorious temple. He's not been able to just walk in and visit. He's lame. And as he's walking into the temple and seeing it in all of its glory, you can imagine where he's headed and what he's about. As he's walking, probably headed right for the temple, and we'll see that word come up in just a little bit, You've got the chief priests and the Pharisees and all the rest who are standing out there as people are coming into the temple, and they're just checking to make sure everything's okay, kind of like the police of the place. And they're like, hey, hey, what are you doing carrying your mat? That's rule number 13 out of 39. You're not allowed to do. I made that number up. I have no idea if it is, but, but like that, that, that's against the rules. You can't do that as they're calling them out. What probably was not happening is some chief priest over at the pools of Bethesda standing right there, and as the man is healed and stands up, as soon as he touches the mat, he goes, hey, you can't touch that. Probably not that. Probably he's already rolled it up. He's already been talking to other people in testimony. He's walked away, and the chief priests have no idea what's going on except that he's walking around carrying his mat, that impudent man. He is not listening to us, and so they go at him. They said, the Jews said to him, man, uh, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said, take up your bed and walk. Okay? You can hear it in him. He's like, well, look, I really appreciate all your laws and all that stuff. The 39 things, that's all great. But the dude who had the authority to speak, who healed me, that man with authority said, take it up, and I'm not going to do the first part and blow off the second. I did what he said. I, I stood up, I rolled up, I picked up, and I walked. You're darn right I did what he said. The guy who had the authority to heal, he told me to carry it. So y'all might need to talk to each other. Because <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with your rules, but that's not where he's at. And so I'm really listening to him, okay? And uh, as he said, he told me to take up my bed and walk. They asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in that place. Now, again, you can just read fast and you miss it. You got to picture it. In the moment where that guy is 
laying on the ground next to the water. He's been hoping for 38 years that somehow there could be a miracle healing. He's hanging at the house of mercy. Christ comes up and says, do you want to be healed? Yeah, but I can't get in the water. Get up, pick up, and walk. I can't. Oh, oh, you got to be kidding me. This is awesome. Guy stands up. Look at this. Do you see this, dude? Everybody's looking over. Crowds start coming up. Whoa. Remember, this is the time of the feast. That by the tens of thousands, the Jews all over the place, they're crowding in. Look at this guy. Somebody's like, I'm telling you, I know him. I've been standing next to him. I've been sitting next to him. This is the guy. This is the lame guy. He's walking. Crowds mash in, and Christ goes, we're out. And he steps back. That's what just happened. Christ is setting his authority in play as he's stepping back very quietly and subtly. It says Jesus withdrew as there was a crowd in the place. And then it says afterward, everybody say afterward. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. You got to picture that moment. When you're walking through, I mean, this is the guy, he's still got his mat. He's walking around doing exactly what he was told. He's telling everybody, I'm telling you, I was like 38 years, I couldn't walk. Now I'm walking. You should see this. It's amazing. I can look, look how high I can lift my legs. Is this amazing? Talking, chatting, so elated, and all of a sudden Jesus comes up and they catch eyes. Can you imagine? You're like, it's up. And he's like, hey, imagine the smile on Jesus' face. Hey, see? You're, you're doing well. He's speaking to the physical. Look what's happened. Remember, this man does not know who Jesus is. All he knows is this guy speaks and it is. Like this was not a faith moment like he spoke then somehow he had the faith in Jesus Christ in it. Like Jesus just said, get up and the juice ran through his body. Like this is an amazing moment. As this command came out, See, you are well, he says. And then he turns it to the spiritual. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Now he's challenging the spiritual side. He's like, listen, we've talked about the physical, and we've got that fixed, right? Make sure it's time that this comes through to affecting your heart. And, and make it be done. Follow your God. No more sin. It's time to get it right with your king. Get it right with him. May the sin be done. May your worship be on. I'm now calling you from a physical healing. And it's time for you to start to go after the spiritual. He was calling him forth towards listening to him all the more. He says, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now, there are some that say, I think he narked on him. I think he was narking on Jesus. I think he went over and he's like, all right, all right, all right. I'm with you guys, Pharisees. I'm with you, chief priests. I'm following your laws. The guy who told me was Jesus. Go get him. Like, he was the bad guy. And, and they're trying to point, like, maybe this guy sort of flipped and was against Jesus. And um, I'm just telling you, I'm not as much a fan of that position. And uh, we don't know. All we know is he did go to them and he did tell them the fact. But I'll tell you, he's taken a hardcore stand with Jesus Christ. And he noticed he didn't come back and say, I'm super sorry for not obeying the law. He doesn't say anything like that. He comes back and he says, the guy who healed me, his name is Jesus Christ. 
Like, hey, you want to know who has authority in this world? Jesus. Like, you want to know who speaks and it happens? Jesus. You want to know who has higher authority than these 39 Mishnah laws of yours? Jesus. You want to know the guy who says it and it is? Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, I think this guy was taking a stand with Christ. Now, where he's at in his faith yet, we don't know. In fact, it doesn't say, is he saved, is he not saved, but he is coming along a path. He's grasping more and more of who Christ is and the authority that's going on there. The man went away and he told the Jews it was Jesus who had healed him. Can you grasp that moment? Like, I'm just telling you, boys, that's the man that did this. You getting it? Like, he's connecting the testimony together and putting authority into the name of Jesus Christ. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing things on the Sabbath. I love this statement. It's like, I don't know if it can be clearer stated, and this was how wrong they were. He was doing these things on the Sabbath. How dare you heal someone on the Sabbath? The 39 laws of their Mishnah had become more important than God Almighty and his plan for life and living. And I'm telling you, God's so compassionate to us. He doesn't take a day off. Do we get that? God with us, in it with us. And Jesus has an answer to them. Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. My father is working, and I am working. Man, I'm telling you, the Jews knew they had a theological problem. God said, look, on the seventh day, I take a rest. And yet they all know that by the very presence of God, this world is sustained. That he does answer prayer. On the, can you imagine that moment? You're like, hey, don't pray on the Sabbath. God doesn't listen then. He's taking a rest. Like, what kind of God is that? You have this real wrestle going on if you're like, he seriously does absolutely nothing spiritually in our lives. It doesn't work. If Sabbath shuts down, God's got real problems. And Jesus is like, hey, man, my father is working until now. Like this whole thing is being held together and his plan is at play and I'm telling you, he's at work. Oh, and by the way, and I'm working. This is a throwdown moment where he is like, boys, nice try with the 39 Mishnah laws, but no. This is all about man is absolutely to be worshiping and glorifying Christ and the healing that comes from God very well may come on a Sabbath. And I'm telling you, Man is not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath is made for the man. Jesus Christ is called Lord of the Sabbath. He has authority. He is in charge. He has all power. And he rules over all. It was a nice try to try to put some 39 rules together to try to follow what God was saying. But in the process, they drifted into making it all about them and their rules. And they set down what God was actually trying to accomplish. Jesus is like, I'm not on that plan. I'm with my father on this plan. It's a huge deal. You know, as I was wrestling through this second point, allowing Jesus to have the ultimate authority, uh, one thought I had was of, this is going to sound lame at first, but bear with me, but of our little dog, Toby, right? 
And uh, I know some of you have even been asking, like, how is that dog? Because I had talked a couple months back about how he was running in the basement and blew an ACL, right? I had no idea dogs could even do that. Blew an ACL. So we talked to the doc, and the doctor's sharing with us, hey, with this little of a dog, you may not have to do surgery. It might actually heal enough on its own. And so we were letting it go for the couple of months, and, and uh, it actually has gone really well. Um, he's been able to run a lot more. He can go up and down steps all over the place. He can jump some. That's still a little bit limited, but he's doing well. Probably not going to have to have the surgery. Praise God for that. But we had somebody standing in the house with me, and we were talking a little bit, and he goes, does, does your dog just always wag its tail? And, uh, and I glanced over, and he was looking up at me, and he just had it going on a slow wag, you know? And he was just like, hey, what's up? Right? Just had the slow wag going. And uh, I said, yeah, I actually... He, he wags it a lot. Actually, he wags it a lot more when you look at him. And he's like, what? And I'm like, no, no kidding. So I turned around, and uh, I'm looking over the top, and his tail is going, and he's just kind of staring up at me. And I look down and catch his eyes, and his tail starts going into a fast wag. He's like, this is awesome. Good to see you. Hey, we're connecting eyes. Like, you get that little light. And so I said, watch this. So I stepped over two steps towards him, and he just goes, whoomp, and falls on his side like, Come on over, you're in charge. And as I come over to the top of him, he rolls on his back and just throws his legs back like, it's awesome, you're in charge. Tail's still going, by the way. Tail's still going as he lays on his back and he's just like, great to see you. And uh, man, if you ever have real emotional problems in your life, you need a little dog like that, right? Where you walk in and they're like, you're awesome, I'm on my back for you, right? And just helps you feel a little better in life. I'm just telling you this. We need to look more like that than not like that with our God. When Jesus Christ walks in the room with us, when we start to experience his presence in the room, when we're grasping what he's saying to our soul, man, there needs to be a tail wagon moving. It's a smile on the face. We're starting to get it. You're awesome. And as he's starting to come closer, we're just starting to beam. I cannot believe who you are. And getting celebratory with all that he is and willing to get humble and under as he comes up and spends time with us. You are the authority in charge. You speak and this world exists. You sustain by your very presence. Your word is my hope. You have died and you have risen. You are my God. I am under and you are over. With a smile on my face, you are my king. Man, do you come to your God like that? Or is it a little more distracted? Like he comes in the room and you're like, hang on, hang on, hang on. I got a couple things going. I'll, I'll get through this and then maybe we can just hang on with, I got this interrupt. I got a text just a second in. Look, I'm trying to get through the word here and, and, and we start pushing back away. Man, may we grasp the importance and the authority of Jesus Christ and may we allow him to be in charge. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal. I'm telling you, this world teaches, dude, you need to be big, you need to be bad, you need to be tough, and it's all about you. And I'm just telling you, no, it is all about Jesus Christ. And when we grasp that he's in charge, we are really beginning to get it. May God get all the glory, all right? First, may we trust. Second, may we allow the ultimate authority to be Jesus. And third, worship Jesus as God Almighty. Worship Jesus as God Almighty. Starts here in verse 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. 
Like this is what was going on. Jesus was speaking against the Sabbath. Jesus was healing people. Jesus was telling them to carry a mat. This is why they wanted to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was telling people to break the rules of the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. This is super important. He was calling God his own father. Everybody say own. His own father. My father. What he did not say, our father. What he did not say, your father. What he did say, my father. He was setting himself up as being connected to God the Father in no way like anybody else. Unique. He says, he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Gotta let that settle. Equal with God. Jesus is God. I don't know, maybe you've heard somebody say this before. Yeah, but Jesus never claimed to be equal with God. You might want to read John chapter 5, verse 18 a couple times. Equal with God. He's like, my father, and he's not working. That's not true. He is working, and so am I. Are you kidding me? This is who he is. And as he sustains, I'm with him. And as he brings his will into this world, I work with him. He and I, God in this universe, welcome to it, boys. That's the message Christ sent. I am in charge. Do you grasp the kingship that you are looking at? That's the message that was being sent in the authority of Christ. He is Lord of the Sabbath. He is the one who heals. He has a statement over all, and our God reigns. And all of God's people said, man, may we trust in him. May we lean on him. May we recognize in him that he is the one with all authority. He can bring divine physical healing. He definitely brings that divine, spiritual, eternal healing. And man, please notice in this moment, as Christ went into a realm where there were multitudes of those hurting, he worked with one to bring him across to make a statement about who Christ is. This is less about the physical healing and more about the authority of Christ and trusting him. May we grasp that along the way. It is so about our King. As we go after living with him in living color, may we trust, may we give him all authority, and may we declare him as our God. May Jesus Christ get all the worship. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's pray. 